You're listening to another podcast. A podcast about horror movies and scary things. You put your headphones on and enter another dimension. A dimension filled with zombies, killers, ghosts, and creatures beyond your imagination. You've crossed over into the realm of mankind's deepest fears. There's an episode up ahead. You've now arrived at Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. Hey gang, you're rolling with Rockin' Ricky Rialto, the voice of Kingston Falls, USA. Hi. (laughs) No reaction. No reaction from that. Um, I didn't know if I was supposed to chime in. Yeah. You were supposed to. I was was fully engrossed. (laughs) That was it. There was no more. Oh. Um... So, hello everybody and welcome. This is not the Rockin' Ricky Rialto. Unfortunately. Show. Unfortunately. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't get him. We couldn't get him to to come on we the couldn't. to guest, to guest on the on the show. Um I love how I love how the I love how this movie basically starts with a a a Steven Spielberg Easter egg like right away. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much. And the, featuring yeah, Rock and Ricky Rialto, <laughs> dressed as uh, Indiana Jones. Um, so yes, the movie we are talking about today is uh, Gremlins, the classic, the original classic. Gremlins from 1984. The original batch. The original batch. Yes, not the not to be confused with the new batch. The new batch. The um, new batch. And the new batch. Gremlins two. The new batch. Um, so to the new batch. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> the new batch. Um, so, uh, I'm, most people are familiar with this movie, but um, uh, Luke, let's be fair. Everyone is fucking familiar with this movie. Yes, not but, most people. Everyone. But I don't think people really. I don't think people are aware of necessarily who all is involved. In the making of this movie, that's the, true. The, the core creators here at work. Um, so this is uh, directed by Joe Dante. Yeah, who who is not really a household name. Um, He's not, but you've seen his movies. But prior to this, so this came out in '84, and prior to this, he had really the only real like feature length movie that he had done was The Howling in 1981. Yes. Um, Actually, Which if, you're, if your kids love Gremlins, you should show them the howling. <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> Although, I mean, yeah, well, I get, yeah, the howling is definitely a little more intense. But Gremlins, is Joe, Joe up. Dante was doing sexy werewolves before Twilight was. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, and much more, much more disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, weirdly, that came out the same year as American Werewolf in London. So it was a big, it was a True. big year for werewolves. Um. And you had, you had, uh, actually, no. So yeah, you had Rob Bottin doing the werewolf work on The Howling, and then you had Rick Baker doing the, the work on uh, American Werewolf in London. Ricky B. Ricky B. And Ricky, Ricky B., which <laughs> henceforth will be how we refer to him, um, <laughs> did, actually did the, he did not do the, the puppeteer... Uh, the puppeting 
work on um, on Gremlins, the original. No, that but would, he did do it on the Chris new batch. Wallace. He did. Yes. He did do the. He did do the grease. The greasy laboratory monstrosities <laughs> of the new batch. <laughs> um, but going back, I just to remember Dante. being seven years old and looking at my mom and going, "Why are all the gremlins so greasy? Are they covered <laughs> that was in your, butter?" That was your biggest concern watching that movie. It was, it was the grease factor. The greasy it factor. Was. They were so sh- slick and so shiny looking. I mean. I don't know what to tell you. I don't even. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I, I know you don't like it. Um, I, I'm. <laughs> it's not, not that I don't like it. I just don't like how different it is. I feel like it's unnecessarily different, and it's obvious that it, they went from Chris Wallace to to um, you know Rick Baker, and they changed. The, you know the tone. The tone was incredibly different and everything, but yeah, it just it it, it strikes me as strange at how how unnecessarily different they are. But you know, well, I'm an asshole. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You say, you say gremlin. I say gremlin. I don't know. <laughs> I say gramlings. Gramlings. I call them gramlings. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like Pokemon, you know. Like to piss a little kid off, you call them Pokemon or Pokeman. You know, it's just that same thing po- with gremlins, gremlings, gremlins, gremlins. You know, gremlins. Throw <laughs> Gramlings. Gramlings. <laughs> throw a throw a soft B in there. Gram Gramblins. <laughs> um so yeah, the howling. Uh we went off on a werewolf tangent and then I don't even know what happened. Um but uh the howling's pretty great. Um, it is. And so he had done that and then he had worked he had actually worked with Spielberg on he did a segment of the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. Um in 83, I think. Which, so a year which before. I believe I professed my love for in a previous episode. The Twilight Zone movie? Mm-hmm. You did, except for you. But I actually, actually, Joe Dante's section is very good. It is really good. It's really fucking creepy and weird. It is. And so it's weird. To th- it's strange to think that, like, because whenever I think of, I don't know. See, to me, like, when I think of Joe Dante's work, you've got The Howling, you've got Gremlins, you've got the segment from twilight zone later he did the burbs he did inner small soldiers small soldiers one of his one of his last kind of bigger movies Um, it was just gremlins with toys it was it was toy story meets gremlins yeah um but inner space i fucking love inner space it's a good movie like that i don't know why i love that movie so much i mean it's Um, got martin short in it it's got a great cat. I mean, Dennis Quaid, Meg Ryan, and Martin Short. And Martin Short is is fantastic in it. And then you also have uh, you also have uh, Kevin McCarthy, who is in Gremlins yep. <laughs> on the TV, which yep. is just uh, is playing um, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the from the fifties, right? Yep, he was the original um, star of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You may also know him from UHF. That's where I know him. Yes, from. the vil- the villain from yeah. UHF. He's yeah. usually a villain, except for he is. He's not in. Uh, he's like the main protagonist in uh, Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers. But yeah. um, <clears throat> I'm assuming Dick Miller shows up in in Inner Space some at some point. He's got to be in there at some point. Yeah, sweet sweet baby Dick Miller is in like basically every Joe Dante movie. Yeah, he's um, he's 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 the Uma Thurman to Joe Dante's Quentin Tarantino. He's I mean, his muse. His muse. He's usually, yeah, it's usually very small roles, but, um, yeah. but so that, so that's Joe Dante. 
Uh, actually, weird. So one of the movies of of his that I have not seen, I don't think I've ever seen it, is Matinee, and that's like one of his best. Oh, re- his one of his best reviewed movies actually. Matinee is great. I I saw Matinee on uh, actual. Well, I saw it in the theater. I think maybe when I was a kid, but I saw it actually not too long ago. You know, probably f- eight years ago or so, at a twenty-four hour horror movie festival. Nice. Um, and it's a lot of fun to watch on the big screen. It's a good. It's a. It's a good movie. It's you know. Yeah. I'd like uh, to. I need to. I need to watch that because that's like one of his only movies that I haven't seen. The Burbs is pretty great too. The Burbs is great. Um, so that's Joe Dante. Uh, obviously you've got Spielberg producing, executive producer. Bruce? Uh, everybody knows, <laughs> everybody knows Spielberg, so we won't get into that. Bruce Spielberg? Uh, Bruce, the shark. His, yeah, that's yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but another name, another big name on this movie is Chris Columbus. And a lot of people probably don't know that name necessarily. That's not a household name, which is strange because... Chris Columbus is responsible for like some huge, every, hugely you know pop culture movies. You know, yeah. Every I mean, every childhood movies for gen for like you know each generation for like yeah. the last thirty years. Yeah, you know? exactly. Because yeah, so he, so Chris Columbus wrote Gremlins, and um, and then later on he would do the Home Alone first two Home Alone movies, direct those, yep. um, not write them. That was John Hughes, but um, and then he directed Mrs. Doubtfire, um, and then he directed the first two Harry Potter movies, and also in the eighties he did Adventures in Babysitting, uh, and Goonies. That's a great movie. Goonies wrote, is a great movie. Wrote both of those, so he started off writing, then he mostly got into directing, and um, but yeah, he's um, he's pretty amazing. He's had a really good career, um, and so yeah, that's kind of the creative team there. Um, but um, so this came out in '84. Came out the same weekend that Ghostbusters came out. Yeah, the, that's the pretty same crazy. day that Ghostbusters. Yeah, that is that the to me is same pretty wild. Because they're both just like, I mean, they're both classics, but they're yes. both kind of classics almost within the sub the same subgenre of like horror they're, comedy. You know, they really both kind of established. I mean, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't say they established because you could go all the way back to fucking Laurel and Hardy meet the Wolfman or some shit, but they really, they really kind of solidified in modern terms, both movies kind of the, you know, the, the, the horror comedy, yeah. the horror dark comedy, you know, like you said, subgenre, and the fact that they came out on the same fucking day. Yeah. That's really bizarre. Just crazy. It's even, it's even more bizarre because this is a Christmas movie, which we haven't even really talked about yet. Um, the fact that this is a Christmas horror comedy. It is my favorite Christmas movie. I'll, I'll put that out there. Just overall favorite Christmas movie, mm-hmm. not even factoring in the horror. It is a Christmas movie. It is it is the one Christmas movie that I feel like I have to watch every year. Nice. It's um yeah it's it it's great and um and, well and that's yet, it everybody it's great that's <laughs> it everybody. But it's strange that it was released in June. Uh, I guess they did that because they like there were other studios releasing big films and for some reason like they wanted to compete which i don't know why you would want to compete like wouldn't that just take away know. from your potential profits like why wouldn't you like nowadays i feel like like big movies from different studios don't want to compete 
Right. So I don't know why they would want to do that, but it was a different time. Um, it, and it was such it's such an interesting ball game too with that whole release schedule thing and how and the the way studios think that through is you know they've got all these just weird ideas about how it goes and I don't know yeah I don't understand it um, I've not smoked enough cigarettes in my life to put myself in the mind of a studio executive <laughs> in 1984 so <laughs> or, I, or done enough cocaine for yeah I was matter. gonna say I was gonna say that was more of like the cocaine period yeah. Um, but um, another really interesting thing about this movie is, so, like I said, it's executive produced by Spielberg, um, who basically had come across Chris Columbus's script, and it was really just a spec script. It wasn't even, in, he wasn't intending for it to be made into a film. Um, right. He was, for those it was of really you who don't just, know, a spec script is a script yeah. where a writer writes and says, this is what I can do. This is right, how right. my work Showcasing works. Showcasing my writing abilities, yes. But it's never going to get made. It's unrealistic to film. But right. here's my writing abilities. Right. And and so, so some, it somehow came across Spielberg's uh, desk. And, um, and, and I mean, at that point in the, in the early 80s, Spielberg was already like, king you know he could like do whatever yeah. the fuck he wanted at that point um right i mean he had done jaws he had done close encounters of the third kind he had done et um you know he had done uh the first indiana jones movie so i mean like he was it, basically anything anything goes at that point mm-hmm. for for steven spielberg and so he liked he really liked chris columbus's script and bought it and said we're gonna make it and um so it came out a month after um, Ghostbusters. Indiana, <laughs> came out the same day as Ghostbusters. But it oh, came out, right. But it, it came out a month oh, a, after um, uh, Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which had received a good deal of backlash uh, from parents who were disturbed by <laughs> the... Because uh, it was fucking terrifying. Graphic nature of, of some of the... You know, and violence and stuff in, in that movie. Yeah. Um, Monkey brains and, was, and people getting their hearts pulled out. Yeah. You know, the usual. And because the only choices back then for ratings were G, PG, and R, it right. fell into the PG category. And so then a month later, here comes Gremlins, an, another, you know, this one's produced by Spielberg. And Gremlins is pretty fucked up and pretty dark at times and violent. Um, and so, without again, a doubt. <laughs> that that received a good deal of backlash, and so at that point, Spielberg was like, "You know what? Fuck it. I can't. I'm not going to make R-rated movies for the. They're going to start making my movies be rated R after this." And so he's like, "We need to." He basically went to the MPAA ratings board and was like, "We need to create a new rating, a new category between PG and R." Thus, the birth of the PG-13 rating. Um, yep which very quickly was put into effect just a month after a month or so after um, Gremlins came out. So the yep. first PG-13 uh, film was Red Dawn released in August of 84. Oh, I thought it was Five Goes West, but Five Goes West. <laughs> no, that was the 90s. Come on. Yeah, um, Five Goes West was way after. I mean, you got five you've got an American tale. Right. Well before Five Goes West, so <laughs> I was just pulling that out of my ass. Obviously, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who don't know the timeline of the American Tale films, 
It's Five All Goes West after right. American Tale. I mean, I really benefited from the fact that Gremlins was not rated PG-13. I mean, I'm 90% sure my dad would have let me watch it, even if it was rated X. Um, oh, my God. But I, I want to see that version. But, yeah, I I, uh, I definitely watched the shit out of Gremlins when I was a kid. So I, I always wonder, you know, with some of these movies, you know, we I, I was born in 84, so I was just a couple months old when this came out. And... So I, I always wonder, like, if my parents really, you know, I would have been around for the PG-13 the whole time. And I wonder right. how much stock they put into that, you know, if they really paid any attention to it. Looking Probably back on not. some of the movies I watched. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> because I watched, I mean, I watched this movie, you know, obviously it was rated PG, but I mean, I watched this movie, I feel like, from birth, you know. Yeah. It, and, and. And movies much much like this, and some worse than this, you know, from the time I was a little kid, and I love I loved them. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, this is so of all the movies that we've talked about on this show, um, this is the first one that has been that I've been watching like my whole life, like you were saying. Um, yes, all the other films that we've talked about, you know, either came out later or I didn't see them until much later. Um, yeah. But Gremlins was definitely one that I remember watching, you know, fairly young. Um, and weirdly, I don't really... The only the only thing that I remember creeping me out about the movie, for some reason, the only thing that really sticks with me that I remember kind of like being scared, it like kind of scaring me, was strangely the very end of the movie. The, the, like the, yeah. last, the last shot of the movie... Yep. When um when the the old Chinese man, you know, go takes takes Gremlin takes Gremlin back with him. <laughs> takes Gizmo. <laughs> takes Gizmo takes, back with him. He's like, You guys aren't fucking takes, ready for this shit. Uh, and he takes he takes Gizmo back with him. And he there's this takes shot of baby him Gremlin. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's this shot of him walking down this like snowy suburban street. Yeah. And there's a voiceover. There's like a narration Wait. which Hoy Axton voiceover. Yeah, there's only two two parts of the movie that have a, a narration, and it's the beginning and the very end, and they're both done by Hoyt Axton, the guy that plays the dad, who's just got a great fucking voice. He does, and um, and uh, let I make me, the let illogical me, logical. I'm just gonna try to find that quote really quick. Uh, here it is. So it says, "So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz, or your washing machine blows up." Or your video recorder conks out. Before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds, because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. And that that part always, for some reason, scared me. Like that. Yeah. Like, and it was. The, it's the end of the movie too. So it's like you watch the movie, and then you're like, and then you either maybe you got to go to bed or something like that. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. There could be a gremlin in my goddamn house. This is not yeah. good. Um, Especially as a little kid, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, sh-, you know, right. I so, never uh, once like when when like if like a piece of electronics stopped working, I never once was like, oh shit, you know, it's a gremlin. But there definitely was that idea. It plants that idea in your head yeah. of like, I mean, look under your turn beds. on I mean, all that's the lights. Like, yeah, look under your bed. Right. Yeah, look in your closets. Look under your bed. Like that's that's prime fucking boogeyman territory right there. Like you know, yeah. what I mean? like, oh, those yeah. are, those are like primal kind of like frightening you know like 
you know, areas of like your, of your home that, you know, you, when you're sleeping in your bed, like that you're thinking of like, oh shit, something's going to come out from under the bed or something's going to reach out and grab me, yeah. my ankles or something's going to come out of the closet. Like, so the fact that they, they explicitly like plant that idea yeah. into your head at the very tail end of the movie. And then well, it's a swan, 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 and then <laughs> the, the, the gremlin's rag starts playing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Um, and then, you're, oh and my the, God. uh, uh, I mean, the thing is, throughout the whole movie, they they show the gremlins doing that. I mean, the gremlins are constantly popping out of like dark spaces <laughs> and like hiding and you know being creepy and and uh, and so yeah, it's like you could you in your six year old mind or whatever you can picture it. You can yeah. just yeah, that was definitely one of the creepiest parts of the movie for me as well. The other for the thing is. I, I would say probably the most outright, you know, kind of scary part, like you said. There are a couple of scenes in the movie that are like creepy to me looking back on it. Yeah. Um but one that really gets me is the is when the mom when, when the mom's alone in the house. Oh god. And, I mean, that's and the Billy best. calls her. Let's just let's just get this oh. out of the way right now. That's the best scene in the entire movie. Oh, that's it's so good. Actually the he whole calls part- her all. Oh, sorry. I'll I'll let you get to that. I'm just gonna say like the that that starting with like the um the science teacher. Yes. Like starting there, like when when the um the gremlin that he's got kind of hatches in the classroom as the kids yes. are about to leave. Starting there, all the way up until the end of the scene with the mom in the house. Yep. That whole section is like the best part of the movie. Really, all the way up until Stripe jumps in the pool. And that's the that's the most purely horror part of the movie as well. That whole part is is pretty creepy throughout the whole thing. It's yes. very scary at times. Strangely, there's no there are like later on there is a lot of comedic elements with the gremlins, but during that yeah. section, there's like no comedic elements. If that if that tone would have continued right. through the entire movie, it would have been a fucked up movie. Yeah, yeah. So but I'm it, sorry. It, continue. What you were talking about with the? the, the scene I was with the just mom. gonna say, like when he calls her up and he's like, he's like, "Mom, they hatched. Get yeah. out of the house or whatever." And then she like hears the sound. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Stripe. I assume it's Stripe. Pulls the the cord to the phone, and then right. she starts. You know, there's like a five or ten minute window where she's like creeping around the house. You know, kind of like checking stuff out with the knife, and you just know they're around but it's like that that piece then fits right in with the very end like she's like stalking around the house trying to find them and you know they're there but you don't yeah. know where the hell they are yeah and she knows they're there and she doesn't know where the hell they are and 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 the other thing is you've kind of seen the one at the at the school but not really though i don't think you have but not really closely you see the you see it pop out and kind of laugh at billy and like throw shit at him when he's oh, in that's the, right. When he's in the, so that but you don't before. see it very long. So that so that part happens before they go. They go. It goes to the mom. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it does. When he's at the YMCA, no, yeah, because that's he, when he's at the YMCA. Not in, no, not not in the Y. Oh. When he's at the school, and the the one the science experiment gremlin like scratches his hand, and oh. he goes to the medical office. That's right. And he's, he's trying to get cabinet. supplies, and it pops out. You yeah. see it in the cupboard for like a split second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then right. he's he's injured and he's like oh shit and he thinks of his mom and he goes to call her yeah um so you only seen the one gremlin for like right. a brief split second and you've seen it long enough to be like oh shit like these right. things and because before that you didn't really know 
like you see the cocoons and you're like, oh, yeah. that's not good, you know. But you, <laughs> it's greasy. Like it's, it's not good. It's it's, it's shit's too, greasy. It's too greasy. Um, but yeah, that's the thing that really got that really gets me still to this day. Like when I watch those scenes, I'm like seeing those cocoons and seeing like thinking through them and the character's thought process of being like, oh, there were these cute fuzzy little creatures and like now what the fuck's wrong with them yeah <laughs> and then like just to get a call and it's like they've hatched you yeah. know and then disconnect and just to put yourself in and, and her face and then her face when johnny mathis this that's the most terrified face anyone has ever made to fucking johnny mathis yeah. <laughs> while she's sitting on the stairs to the attic yep and it's like do you hear? and she's just like <laughs> Stone cold terrified. So good. Oh man, I love it. That song is still one of my favorite Christmas songs. That yeah. and and Christmas Baby Please Come Home simply because of this movie because they're just they're so they're so well used. It's great. Yeah, yeah. That scene is is great. I mean, I, I that yeah. And I well, mean, she goes all fucking Rambo on him, which is yeah, amazing. I mean, too. yeah. She like she's a fucking badass. Like she's like the most badass character. She almost wipes out all of the gremlins almost. right there. Like if she, she just, comes so close, she had just gotten stripe. Um, yep, and I mean that's pretty amazing. Like yeah, so Which another th- one other thing I was going to say about that, and this is th- this is a revelation for me. So I, well, two things that have to do with that that scene that I never noticed before in all my fifty times of seeing this movie. Number one, that's one of the few areas when she's fighting those gremlins for the first time that you can see the the sticks on the gremlins' arms for the really? puppets. You can catch a glimpse of them a couple times. I don't think I but the that. other thing is, I never noticed that when Billy comes in and he kills that gremlin that's attacking her, he fucking decapitates the thing. You never noticed that. I never noticed How that. How did you I never just, notice that? I thought he just hit it into the fireplace like a no. Like he takes a, the whole like a, he takes the fucking head off and the head lands he, on the logs. Yeah, How did you not notice that. it was just the head? It, <laughs> I noticed it this time, and I was like, oh, it's just the head. I was like, oh, he fucking decapitated yeah. the thing? And I had to rewind it and watch it. And it's like, oh, yeah. That was funny because I was reading that article you sent me, and it said that, uh, it said that like, one of the, in the original script, because Gizmo, you know, Gizmo was not going to be the, the cuddly sidekick. Yes, through the yes, whole thing. I wanted to get into and, that. Yeah, and in the original script, Billy was just like hacking. He just said it said something like one of somebody, Joe Dante or Chris Columbus or somebody said something about he was just like basically hacking gremlins up with that sword. Like yeah. he just had it with him the whole time. He's just like cutting, cutting gremlins, gremlins in half, in half as he went through yeah. the fucking town. Um, well, the, so the <laughs> Which other I would pay thing, to see that movie too, <laughs> right? No, so yeah, that's where I, I kind of wanted to get into because um, so the other thing about about this um movie the, several things changed um yeah as as that you know sometimes it will happen uh during the production uh and even pre-production so like i think it was i think i read something like six weeks until they were supposed to sh- uh, start shooting um so in the original script and concept um gizmo and stripe were the same person Right. There was the same person. Yes. They were the same person. They, they were, were the same first of all, entity. First of all, they were people. Second of all, they were the same people. <laughs> oh my God. There were no gremlins. There were no gremlins were or mogwais. It was all people. No, um, no, it was all people. But no, so so uh, Gizmo basically turns into Stripe in the original right. movie, um, which I think is actually great. 
I kind of I, I kind of love too. that actually. Um, I feel like any I feel like any Gremlins three or sequel or something should take advantage of that yeah. somehow. Because but so the reason so Spielberg was the one that wanted to change that, and right. he was he was like, look, people are gonna love the shit out of out of Gizmo. The, you know, he's cuddly, he's cute, and the audience he knew like the audiences. The audience was going to love him. And so they were like, we got to keep him around the whole movie. And he's got to be the right. hero. And so at that point... Which Chris he wasn't Wh- wrong, obviously. No, I mean, he was right. I mean, yeah, like I think I, I think if they had kept it the way it was initially supposed to be, the movie would not have been as accessible and it wouldn't have been as popular, yeah. Um, yeah. certainly. And and so, I mean, so yeah, he was, pro- from a marketing standpoint... Um, I mean, all the fucking merchandise that came out of this movie, you know, like the the money that, that was made on the merchandise yeah. alone for this movie was probably insane. Um, yeah. And you would probably wouldn't have been able to do that if Gizmo turned into this like bloodthirsty gremlin, you know. Which again, um, though, is hilarious because it's merchandise for children. Right. It's this creepy ass. Like, <laughs> I have an eight-year-old son that will not watch this fucking movie. <laughs> And and in 1984, like these kids were just eating it up. They wanted Gizmo. They wanted Gremlins. They wanted you know. Yeah, I don't and, know. It's crazy. And so, um, so basically, yeah. They so they were like, no, we gotta we gotta make Gizmo the the hero. He's got to be in the whole movie anyway. So Chris Wayless, who is doing the special effects. <laughs> What, were you, what? I thought you were gonna say Grimlo. We gotta make Grimlo. the Grimlo. Grimlo. I, I, I'm, I'm, I keep like re- wanting to refer to Gizmo as just Gremlin, um, for yeah. some reason. But so at this point, you know, so it's 1984, and you know, Chris Wallace, who is doing, who is you know, kind of in charge of the the special effects, him and his crew. They were already wanting to make Gizmo bigger because he was, they didn't want him to be so small because it made the puppeteering and the animatronics very difficult to do. Right. And apparently the Gizmo puppet was like the worst the worst one to work with because it was so small and it broke down all the time and they hated it. And so when Spielberg was like, no, actually, we're going to. But then they but they figured, well, he's only got to do so much because he's only in the first like half hour of the movie. Right. But then that, but then Spielberg made that change, and they were like, "Fuck!" And so that's why when you watch the movie, like, like most of the movie, he's just like chill out and and Billy's back back, not doing anything. Right. And then at the yeah. end of the movie, when he finally is like, he needs to be like mobile and like you know become the hero or whatever, they just like stick him in like a remote control car and drive him around. Yeah. But like it was that was actually Andre the Giant in a suit because Andre that was the, the only way they could get the oh my God. the animatronics to work <laughs> is to make them that big. Um, but anybody so, want a peanut? So, so yeah, so uh, that's what they ended up doing. It, it ended up changing, so it was initially going to be you know he turns into Stripe, which I think would have been amazing, and like. If one of one of the things that I don't like, I don't, I don't, I won't say I don't like about the movie, but like, don't ever say you don't like anything <laughs> about this movie. Um, I feel like, and we've talked about, we kind of talked about this um, on uh, the episode of uh, Little Shop of Horrors, where you have a character who kind of fucks up, and there's like no kind of repercussions for their actions. Yeah. And this is one of those cases too, where like 
the dad, the dad basically like gets this gremlin like in in a in kind of a shitty way. Like the old man yeah. didn't at the beginning of the movie didn't want to even sell him the thing. He's like, no, he like right. You you got you, you, you're not responsible enough to to handle this. And so then you know his his nephew or or his grandson or whatever you know does a little back back alley exchange and and yeah. and so you have the dad who's kind of who's responsible in the first place and then you have and then you have Billy who fucks up um yeah. taking care of of the Mogwai, even though he was you know explicitly told the rules of not getting it wet and not exposing it to sunlight and you know uh, not feeding just it after let, midnight. Just let goddamn Corey Feldman dump water all over him. Yeah, like an asshole. <laughs> and and I love how like apathetic Corey Feldman is after he does that. He's just like, yeah. ah, what is that noise? And then he just like gets on the bed and he's like reading yeah. comics and, it, and he's not he's not disturbed at all by the fact that all these like no. little fur balls just popped out and doesn't care. Spawn more of them. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's the one thing I I I, I kind that's why I think. The whole idea of Gizmo turning into Stripe, and then oh, and the other thing that was going to happen in the movie was the mo- the the dog was going to get killed by the gremlins. Yeah. So Barney was going to get killed by the gremlins and mushroom, mushroom. Um, the real dog. The, the dog actor's real- name was Mushroom. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the other thing was the mom was going to get killed. The mom's head. The mom was going to get decapitated. By yeah. the gremlins, and the head was going to get tossed down the stairs as Billy is like arriving home. So in the scene, so in the movie, Billy arrives home, and his mom is fighting one of the gremlins with on the Christmas tree and shit, and he decapitates him. Like yeah. I said, in the original script, like the mom is decapitated by the gremlins, and her head is thrown down the stairs, like as Billy is a is like arriving at the house. Which is like fuck. That's so fucked up, and I love it, and I kind of want to see that. <laughs> and but I yeah. love like, I mean, can you imagine like the? Um, I mean, I just feel like there's so much more like, uh, I don't know the 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 dramatic elements and like the char- the character development and stuff. Like here you've got this character who fucked up with yeah. taking care of this creature. It turned in this terrible monster, who then proceeds to kill his dog and his mom. And then yeah. he's got to like track it down and kill it. But he's also, he, at this point, he also kind of like loves the original creature, you know, Gizmo. Right. So he's like, right. so you'd have these kind of like, he's kind of torn and, but he feels responsible. Like to me, like that's just a, a stronger story. <laughs> and there's, right. and there's repercussions too, because in the, in the real, in the, you know, the, the actual movie that was made, like, you know, he does all these things to fuck up and he tries to make it right and he, you know, he ultimately succeeds in the end. But like well, there are people... Plenty of people died along the way. Yeah, but how many people died along the way and none of them were like directly tied to him so it was like... No. He didn't... What, he doesn't he, care. Yeah. Like, you know, like he, he didn't even get directly affected by anything. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I feel like, I feel like the original story the way it was kind of written is probably more appealing to more modern audiences. You know, it's, it's heavier and it's, it's, and it's, it's got kind of like some of those twisty turny aesthetics that we're, you know, audiences nowadays are more welcome to because they're sick of seeing the same old thing. Um, But I feel like, I feel like the, the, 
the the things that it ended up going getting into the final movie um really are what make it kind of like a such a unique experience you know it's yeah. it's it's what made it a cultural phenomenon you know gizmo Absolutely. made it a cultural phenomenon and 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 um and and some of the, the the things that happened and and the fact that it is a little more lighthearted and a little more yeah. comedic and not such a horror movie you know it was it was kind of a new area you know yeah. a new a new place to venture and i feel like that's what really kind of sparked you know the 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 cultural phenomenon that it became because you know the things that you described we would love right. i i still would love to see that movie i mean yeah. i'd pay a good amount of money to see that movie um, but I don't, but I don't know that it would have the same impact, you no, know, it wouldn't have, because, absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's been plenty of creature movies after that, that have had, you know, plot lines, you know, you've got your ghoulies, you know, you've got your munchies. Ghoulies. Yeah, I mean, and so. <laughs> I'm kidding. Those are like, those are, those are just very poor imitations of, of gremlins. But, but yeah, like, um, I, I, like, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like what makes this movie. The, the cult, and I wouldn't even say cult, the just the classic that it is, um, the cultural phenomenon that it became, is the fact that it could do these, it could kind of visit these very dark places, yeah. um, i.e. The, the scene with the mom butchering <laughs> the gremlins, you know, um, yeah. which is the most, that's the most violent stuff in the movie is like her killing the gremlins. Um there really isn't a whole lot of like explicit or graphic violence of the gremlins no. towards humans. And you don't actually even really see them kill any people. You get no. the assumption, you know, that, that they well, do, but I mean, you see, you see, uh, Oh, <laughs> you see the teacher. I'm trying to think of the actor's name. Oh yeah. I can't remember his name. Either. Um, I mean, he's got you a see hyper, the teacher. hypodermic needle in his butt. He's got a hypodermic needle in his ass. But um, that, he did. I, you know what? I always wondered if he even was really dead. I did not. I, that part always. <laughs> that was that part freaked me so, out too. In the original, because it's going, like Delun, Delun. Going back to the you know the original scripted version, the teacher was supposed to be discovered with like a dozen of the needles in his face. Good lord! Imagine that. Um, yeah, you know why that part freaks me out though is because number one, you haven't seen the gremlin yet. Yeah, and he reaches under that thing and he's like, "Oh, hungry!" Yeah, yeah and yeah. he starts nah, little nah. Snickers, and then like, and then all of a sudden, it just like Stop. he starts screaming, and you don't know what the hell's going on, and it just cuts away. And next thing you know, he's dead. So I'm like, "What the fuck was it doing to him?" You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to like. Yeah, you can you can go to these really dark places, especially like in that in that section of the movie before they start before the Gremlins start dressing up in costumes and doing ridiculous right. things. <laughs> um, like at that point, they're really truly scary, you know. And um, so it's it's I like them that the movie can do that kind of stuff, but then it kind of it kind of um, changes course a little bit tone wise and and the gremlins become a little bit more comedic um and yeah. less and less outwardly you know scary and violent um and so I, I i like that it has those dark elements to it but it it 
manages to, uh, I don't know, shift the tone a little bit and and make it a little more comedic and make it a little more you know funny, but still have that kind of dark tone to it. Um, so I I, I yeah. mean I, ultimately I think you know the way that they went about it, it was was you know pretty good. And I mean, and there were audiences back when that came out that thought it was too dark, that thought it was too, you know, violent yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. but I mean, there's some, there's some, definitely some messed up stuff. I mean, you got Mrs. Deagle too, you know, Deagle, you got the, Deagle, the, Deagle, Deagle. <laughs> um, but the one thing I, you know, I tell my, I, like I said, my older son, he's eight he doesn't want to watch, he doesn't want to watch it. I I joke that every year he gets a little further into it, and yeah. then uh, I have to turn it off. Last year he made it to the point where Gremlin got doused with water. Gremlin, I we called gr- him Gremlin this time. <laughs> when, when Gremlin got doused with water, <laughs> uh, when when Gizmo got doused with water, and he's like, that part's kind of creepy too. It he's is. like screaming, he's like screaming and writhing in pain, and his back yeah. is all bubbling and shit. And he was, my son was just like, can you turn this off? And so I turned it off. This year he got we got we he actually didn't ask me to turn it off. I got all the way till, um, I got all the way till uh, the the scene at the school where they're watching the the film about the the yeah. heart hearts, and uh, and I was like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to turn this off. <laughs> and uh, um, which is funny because I we actually watched that video in uh, physiology when I was in high school. Really? That that movie, that that's heart funny. movie. And I remember watching it and I was like, this is familiar. And then they got to the scene that's in Gremlins and I was like, oh shit, this is from Gremlins. That's so and crazy. And my teacher was like, you need to sit down and stop <laughs> shouting. Uh, shit. Um, Just pointed at the film. Yeah, it pointed at the film. It's uh, Gremlins. Gremlins. I got it. Gremlins. Ran out of the room screaming and stripping my clothes off. <laughs> Um, for no reason. Um, yeah, I don't know why you were missing your clothes up. No, it's just because. Odd, odd detail oh. there, but there was something I was gonna, I was gonna mention, and now I'm trying to remember what it was. Was was did it have anything to do with the fact that they were originally going to try to use actual monkeys <laughs> to play <laughs> to play the ground? <laughs> Uh, uh, I did is, not, but I, I like true. where this is going. Uh, did you know about this? Yeah. Yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you heard just, this? Have you yeah. seen this? Have you heard yeah. about this? Have you yeah. seen this? Um, yeah. yeah. So they were originally going to try to, uh, uh, very briefly, were, were toyed with the idea of using uh, monkeys in some sort of suit and having like <laughs> the gremlin head on them. And that did not, uh, that did not work out. That did not go over well. Apparently the monkey like went ape shit when they tried to put ape shit. Um, I get it. Uh, when they tried to put the, the gremlin hat on and started tearing the office that they ran apart and th- th- defecating everywhere. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's what I would do. Um, but I know what I was, I, one of the things I was going to say, I, 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 I goes, it goes back to, both of us calling gizmo gremlin uh, at least once now through this podcast um one of the things that i always think is funny well not funny but i always find interesting is that um so so gizmo can talk 
So for those of you who so, have not seen this movie, so Gremlin can talk. Gremlin, Gremlin can talk. Gizmo, they, they, well, they all can talk. The, the, the Gremlins and and Gizmo can talk, um, and they all say, you know, kind of short, brief sentences and and uh, you know words. Um, but I find it interesting. I always found it interesting that um, Gizmo calls the Gremlins. He calls them Mogwai. Have you mm. ever noticed that? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, when they're like when they're like um like when they're on the on looking for stripe, for instance, when they're walking to get stripe and chasing them into the the YMCA and Gizmos in the backpack, yeah. he keeps saying he keeps saying like something about Mogwai. Mogwai. And Billy's like, "Oh, we're we're going to find him." You know, or whatever. <laughs> so that's it's I just find it interesting that like even in that other form you know, Gizmo thinks of them as as Mogwai. Yeah, right. And Gremlin is the name, you know, that that Billy gives them kind of because Mr. Futterman had been Mr. ranting Futterman. about Gremlins. Dick Miller. Dick Miller. So Dick Miller was in the original Roger Corman uh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Which we talked about we did. recently. And his his wife, uh, the the fabulous Mrs. Futterman, who I have no idea what the actress's name is, was the original Audrey Jack, in Roger Corman's. Uh, would you say Jackie Daniels? And Jackie Daniels. <laughs> would you say? Would you say Gremlin McMogwai? <laughs> Uh, she was she was the original Audrey in uh, Roger Corman's Little Shop of Horrors. So they were actually both in Little Shop of Horrors, and and they played husband and wife in this, and in and in uh, Gremlins Two, uh, the new batch. Even though I always thought like that they both died in the original Gremlins, like it's it, a common it, misconception. Like, like you know, the last you see of them is like a snowplow, like. Breaking into the right. house, you know, commandeered by the the gremlins, and uh, they're heading right to him, and, and just like ah, you know, just did the last thing you see of Dick Miller is see him screaming for his life. <laughs> <laughs> well, but before that, he takes about thirty as the snowplow is bearing down on him, and he's two feet from from his from his from the wall of his house, about to get crushed. He takes a good thirty seconds to to have a, a nice few sentences of exposition where he says it's the gremlins the gremlins are driving <laughs> the tractor <laughs> uh, like i'm like yes that's exactly what i would be doing if i was about to die from from the snowplows if <laughs> i would i would stop and make sure that my ditzy wife knew that the gremlins were driving the tractor ditzy. kentucky harvester kentucky harvester that's kentucky harvester <laughs> It's not one of them furring piece of craps. That's a Kentucky Harvester. God, Futterman. What a piece of shit. He's kind of a piece of what? shit. Uh, Dick Miller is a great... Is a, is a, seems like <laughs> a very Miller kind... Dick Miller is a great and... piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Dick Miller yeah. seemed like a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dick Miller seemed like a very kind and and uh, and you know and and fun guy to to be around. I mean, he ate flowers for Roger Corman's Little Shop of Horrors, and like I don't know, he just seems like a kind man. And then he just plays this xenophobic, racist 
asshole yeah. in this movie. And and the the best part is it's I shouldn't say the best part. The worst part is it's the <laughs> 80s. So everybody that he interacts with it just kind of just, just gives him the like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> Nobody's like, "Oh, hey, you're kind of an asshole, dude." They're just kind of like, "Yeah, oh, they yeah. just kind of ignore him, really." I hope you I hope you get fucking run over by some gremlins. <laughs> Which is kind of what bitch. you have to do nowadays, too. You just have to ignore these types of people. Yeah. Because there's no talking sense to them. There's no talking sense to them. Um, he has a... So, you know, you could make the joke like, oh, you know, Dick... Mr. Futterman. Dick Futterman. Dick Futterman. <laughs> <laughs> you, could make, you could make the joke that Mr. Futterman would be like, oh, yeah, he'd definitely be a Trump supporter these days. Um, but if, if you watch the movie and you watch it closely, he's got a fucking Nixon poster in his house. Really? Yes. I didn't so, like, that it's not way. even a joke. Like, it's just a straight up fact that he would be. <laughs> right. Like, he's he continued to support the president who resigned in disgrace. That's years that after funny. it I, happened. I did not pick up on that. That's crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah, because this is '84. Yeah. Nixon was well, well gone. Well gone. I don't know. Yeah. Well um, gone. <clears throat> yeah, that's funny. Um, Dick Futterman. Dick Futterman. Um. My great, 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 great grandfather was a Dick Miller in Williamsburg, Virginia. <laughs> oh my God. He was actually an apprentice Dick Miller. And then <laughs> later. Dick Miller. The, the Dick uh, Miller's wife. <laughs> Dick Miller's wife. Uh, that's, that's the movie we're doing next that was week. A, that was an occupation back in the day, Dick Miller. Um, what are we talking about next? Where do we go from here? Where do we go? Where, where do, do we go? go from here? I mean, there's a lot of parts where of the movie we, we haven't now? talked about. I, I, what? Where do we go now? Um, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of parts of the movie we haven't talked about. Okay. Uh, for one thing, um, you know, there's other, there's other uh, tidbits. Tidbits. Got any other parts of the movie that you specifically enjoy would like to discuss? Tid old bitties. Um, Tid old bitties. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, what are we talking I pretty about? much what hate the rest of the movie. <laughs> I know any, a part we can talk anything about. Anything that we haven't specifically talked about yet, I hate. Um, <laughs> what, what were you going to say? Period. I, uh, one part that comes to mind that we should we should probably talk about. Yeah. Um, and 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 uh, it it kind of maybe set the precedent for the movie somewhat becoming a caricature of itself. Uh, is the is the the bank scene at the end after the town is destroyed and and uh, oh god yeah Kate Kate and Billy go back to the bank, mm-hmm. um, which that. That whole scene kind of it it so as we said the movie goes from kind of a kind of a dark scary tone to more of a lighthearted kind of dark comedy tone. I feel like at this point, I feel like at the point Kate is introduced and she's bartending to the gremlins is when it just kind of turns. It somehow turns into like this just weird um, kind of caricature of even the movie that came before it. <laughs> Yeah, and then you get into the scene where they're back at the bank and they're kind of in this weird thing, and Kate starts to do the monologue <laughs> of um how she hates 
Christmas because right. of something that happened to her when she was a kid. Just something. Just something that happened. To her. Just this thing that happened to her. When, so <laughs> no she tells this, this two or three minute long story about, and I'm not even going to go into all the details. Essentially, her dad tried to. Uh, her dad tried to surprise her family by coming dressed as Santa Claus down the chimney and in the process of doing so broke his neck and got stuck in the chimney, but nobody in the family, like he disappeared. So they called the cops and nobody in the family knew where the hell he was for like days until all of a sudden they started to smell something. And then they found his like decaying corpse Jesus. stuck in the chimney. And and that's just ruined Christmas for her. Natu- naturally. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> yeah, that'll put a damper on. <laughs> that'll put a damper on things. That'll put a damper on things. And it's like, it's just, it just seems so out of place. It you does know, kind of the, seem out of place. I watching, I, so whenever I think of that scene, so obviously that's, that scene sticks with you. That story sticks yeah. with you. It's but a. Gr- I mean, I'm not gonna a lie. Great it's a story. good. It's terrifying. it's a great story. It's, it's it's creepy and terrifying, and it's got it's kind of got you hooked. Like, what is she getting at here? And it also just like it's like in the kind of in the tradition of like an urban legend type of like right. you know like this could kind of happen. It's like one of those stories that could like sprout up anywhere and be told yeah. and like people would be like holy shit is this really true you know and right. um and so i love that about it but whenever i think of that of her telling that story i always think it's in a different part of the movie for some reason i always think it's when like he's walking her home the, like this oh. like the scene earlier in the movie when he's like he walks her home from the bar i always think that she tells him that story then mm. and so watching it again this week yeah, they just kind of duck into the bank to kind of escape yeah. the chaos in the, in the streets. And Which I she, love that, too, because they go, they go in the bank, and the bank is completely fucking ransacked. And the first thing out of Kate's mouth is, it looks like they were here. It's like, <laughs> no shit. The place is, like, on fucking fire. <laughs> but, like... Like the, the it's like total chaos outside when they like when they kind of barricade yeah. themselves into the bank and they're in the bank for just like a little bit where she tells this fucking horrific story of which of which the main character Billy has no reaction to like zero he, reaction he does not react at all to this and like Gizmo doesn't even give her like a, a coup or anything he just kind of <laughs> stares and blankly then, and then as soon as soon as she's done with the story they just like leave the bank and like that's so. Been, and it's like what 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 the fuck just happened here? And then and then the streets are empty. The street after that they go out and back into the streets and they're empty and it's completely silent right. and eerie. And it's like what the fuck yep. just happened? So there is there is a little more to it. There is a deleted scene. Do you know of this? Mm-mm. There's a deleted scene where they're in the bank, and um, I don't know if it's before or after her speech. Um, I think it's after they hear like a noise or something coming from the vault and they open it up and my name is judge. Uh, <laughs> judge Reinhold is actually in the, um, isn't locked himself in the safe. And so, you know how the, the old school safes, they got the, the big door, but then they also have like the gate. Yeah. And so he's like in the locked gate and he, they have like a conversation with him. So this he's is actually, they actually locked shot in the safe. this. They actually shot it. Yeah. I've seen it. Nice. 
Um, so he's actually like in the safe and they have like a conversation or whatever. And I'm sure there's some kind of callback or something to some conversation that, that, cause they're, they're cause that's another piece that kind of just drops. Like there's a lot of back and forth between judge Reinhold and, and Billy and, and, uh, you know, kind of like a little bit of a rivalry. And then at some point judge Reinhold just disappears. Yeah. And so I'm sure, I'm sure that scene had some kind of callback to their rivalry or something to like kind of tie it up, but it, yeah. I don't remember what was said, but yeah, there's a little more to that scene. That's funny though. That you um, mentioned- but yeah, so they, j- they just cut it to the point where it's just her telling the story and then they leave again. <laughs> but, um, it looks like they were here. It's funny that you mentioned, or it's not funny, but, uh, mentioning judge Reinhold again, nothing it, is it's ever always funny. <laughs> funny when somebody mentions judge Reinhold. <laughs> I was going to say, if anybody mentions judge Reinhold, it's, it's not going to be funny. Um, humor dies at Judge Reinhold. Um, My name is Judge. So, yeah, but it, it's interesting because they, you know, they introduce Judge Reinhold at the same in the same scene earlier in the movie as they introduce Kate, Phoebe Cates. Yeah, and Phoebe Kate, Kate, Phoebe Kate, <laughs> and then and then they bring him back again and briefly in like a bar scene. Um, the bar where Billy's at the bar where uh, Kate works, and and then he's just gone. Like you never see him again. Like amid, nope. amidst all the shit that's happening in the town, it's funny. And so yeah, yep. he initially was supposed to have like a, a bigger role, but they they yeah. just kind of cut it out. Um, Which but, Phoebe uh, Cates and Judge Reinhold start together in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's right. Um, but yes, spe- also star also starring another famous Dick Miller. Sean Penn. Dick Miller. <laughs> famous Dick Millers. He's a famous Dick Miller. Famous Dick Millers uh, of Hollywood. Um, uh, but yeah, speaking of that scene, uh, with, <laughs> with with that story, with uh, the story of uh, Kate's dad and, you know, dying in the fucking chimney. Um, yeah. Uh, that, so that was a scene that uh, the studios wanted to remove. Um, hmm. And even Spielberg wanted to remove it, and Spielberg had the power to to get rid of it, but he let he let Joe Dante keep it because Joe Dante was very adamant about keeping that scene in the film, um, hmm. because he he felt that that like was a perfect representation of like the movie where it's like because like apparently the studios. The studio executives were like, we don't know if like this should be funny or if this should be sad. <laughs> and like, right. And so like, and so like, that was like to, to Joe Dante, he was like, well, that's what's perfect about it. He's like, it kind of sums up the whole movie of like, of like, is, is this, you know, is this serious? Is this a comedy? Is this like dark? Is this lighthearted? Is, you know, is this supposed to, you know, like, what is this supposed to be? And. And so he was like super adamant about keeping it into the, in in the movie, and and ultimately yeah. Spielberg kind of let him have it. But um, and I I Which like then, I like the story, yes. Um, but I don't know if I like how it was kind of just dropped into the movie. It doesn't. Right. It kind of feels like I don't know if it's something with the editing or the pacing or I, what, but like the placement of that in, in the movie is a bit. And also, I feel like the dialogue is a little like, or something about it is a little off. Like it doesn't seem kind of like yeah. genuine, um, yeah. or something. I don't know. But 
but I do love that the idea of that story and and yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a good story, but yeah, it's it's a strange fit. Yeah, where wherever it where, lands. Well, yeah, where it's where it's dropped. Um, Kate Phoebe Gates. <laughs> that's that's the one and only. Um, so there's another thing to talk about. I I just thought of that we haven't talked about yet. The fucking rules. The rules. Yes. The rules. The goddamn rules. <laughs> the rules um, bother me a little bit. The rules are are strange. Yeah. So the rules. The rules are you, you can't you can't get the mogwai wet. You can't get the mogwai. Uh, you can't expose them to sunlight. Those are straightforward enough. Those are fairly straightforward. And then and the then one that's you always can't feed me. the mogwai after midnight. That's the one that's always bothered me. Can't I mean, feed them after midnight. You, time zones alone. Like midnight <laughs> time, where? Time zones notwithstanding. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is the fucking, like, why? Like, and also, how long after midnight? Because any time right. after, like, any time between, you know, 12.01 and... What I don't I mean, you could go so far as I mean, wh- where does it where does it end? When when is it okay right. to feed them? <laughs> and based on whose how, clock? How many, what if my watch is two minutes fast? Right, right. Yeah, that that rule has always bothered me. Um, it it's it's strange. I think they made, and it's kind of it's kind of important. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Um, but uh, I think they kind of make fun of a lot of the. The rules in Gremlins Two, the new batch, right? Um, uh, the new. Batch. Well, and Gremlins Two, the new batch is basically. I don't know why I just said the whole <laughs> title of the. Movie. Oh, and by the way, because Gremlins that's 2, the, the new fucking batch. title of the movie. You have to say it as fast as possible. Gremlins Two, the new batch. Um, that whole movie is really kind of like a satire of yeah sequels in general, and kind of a satire of Gremlins itself. It's kind right. of it's a strange movie. Um, and very, very yeah, different in tone. Yes. And it's 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 one that I do have a, a place in my heart for because, you know, it's Gremlins and it's it came out when I was old enough to see it in the theater. And, you know, and I remember, you know, a lot of hype surrounding it because I loved Gremlins and, and it was it was kind of a big deal. Um but it's one of the few movies that even through the lens of nostalgia for me like to watch it now i'm just kind of like yeah yeah meh <laughs> you know but anyway i haven't seen it um, in a long time i wanted to rewatch it before you know doing this episode and I, I didn't get around to it um yeah but i always but as you said oh god i was just gonna say as you said they do poke fun of the rules yeah so i mean it's from what i remember of it it's just kind of a weird movie. <laughs> it just has like it's a, weird. It's just like it's very like satirical. It's very like uh, like um, like kind of meta almost in a way. Like it, yeah. you know, like it, it it kind of breaks the fourth wall at, at certain points, and it, it's yeah. just it's and it's just kind of strange and it's and different for like a big budget. And it was a huge budget. I mean, so I think the first movie was made for like eleven million. And I think Gremlins mm. 2 was like 50 million and good lord and kind of bombed at the box office actually. But, um, yeah, 
But um, I mean, it was it was Gremlins. The thing about Gr- the original one was, you know, it didn't know what it wanted to be. It felt like at times. Um, and Gremlins Two was the same way, but it was just a different. It it was different things that it didn't know what it wanted to yeah. be. Yeah. And and the things that worked for Gremlins One didn't necessarily. It it's not like the same things were recreated for Gremlins Two. Is a whole different feel, like you said. Yeah. And it 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 did not know what it wanted to be in a lot of ways and it got it could be very strange at times yeah um and and to the point like even parts that are just like flat out uninteresting when you're just kind of like okay get to the next thing yeah right you know whereas and that's never good whereas i feel like the original gremlins never had that issue like it's no it's pretty it's pretty quick yeah i mean and it's not like a super short movie i think it's like it's hour like and an, 40 yeah hour and 45 minutes or something like that Trying to think of other things. I feel like there's more, much more to talk about here. Um, well, there's still a lot of a lot of parts of the movie we haven't talked about. Well, give it to one me. Thing. Keep give them. them to keep, you. Just keep them coming. You're making me do all this. I, you all get, this work. You've got them. You've got everything lined up here. Right? Am I, am I you wrong? Got it, you 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 got it all figured out, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Um, so, okay, uh, uh, what's what's another uh, part of the movie you want to talk about? Well, we've got uh, we've got the, we've got the gremlins uh, in, in the bar, which we've only kind of alluded to at this point. That scene is something else. Bonkers. It's 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 probably super madness outside of the th- super <laughs> madness. Super. <laughs> What's the other song that plays before that? Out, Out by Peter Gabriel. Oh, it is Peter Gabriel. Specifically written, I believe, for the Gremlins. Movie. I always thought it sounded like Peter Gabriel, and for some reason, I I don't know why I never like looked it up. It is Peter Gabriel. I believe that and, 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 uh, and the next song. Which I just was singing, and I already don't Super remember madness. what it's called. Sure, Super um, Madness. Mm, um, mm, mm, I believe those were both written specifically for the Gremlins yeah, movie. And I know, I, think I know, a handful of others too. Um, but yeah, the the bar scene is nuts. So <laughs> outside of the theater scene, it's the it's the biggest grouping of Gremlins yeah. in one place, and and that's where. And really, that's the first really, time you see them, like where it's kind of more comedic, right? Yes. And and I feel like, and the reason I love the bar scene, I hate, I love and hate it. So I hate it because my first instinct is like, why the fuck is Kate just in <laughs> right, there, right. waiting on them? Like, like she's the first person that has not is not just being attacked, and she's just like willingly like <laughs> serving yeah, them right? food and drinks. Um. But I love it because it's the first time it's to me, it does two things. Number one, it uh, it really it really gives you the the impression of what the gremlins are truly all about. So up until this point, you're just like, oh, they're kind of freaky and they're attacking people and blah, blah, blah. This 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 scene really gives you the impression that they're not like out to kill people necessarily. They're not like evil incarnate or anything. They're like 
and and it it's obviously come up at other times in the movie as well but this is like the really the place where it really solidifies to me they're just like they're like a complete force of mischief yeah. like it's mischief is like the name of the game like right. it doesn't matter what it is if it's hurting people if it's just like getting into shit if it's just like yeah you know binging on stuff like anything that is crazy and 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 just destructive they're into whether it's self-destructive or yeah. or externally destructive like they're right. they're all about right. it so i like that it kind of it kind of solidifies to me like that that's their that's their nature is just mischief like it does like again they're not necessarily out to intentionally like hurt or maim or kill people but if that's seems to be funny or enjoyable at the time <laughs> then that's what they're going to do you know and then the other thing i love is that it introduces all these different like like the gremlins are in this scene, like all have personalities, you know, you've got the flasher gremlin, you've got the, <laughs> the, the ski mask gremlin, you've got the puppet gremlin, you've got the gremlins playing poker, you know, you got the one gremlin that's the da boo dee boo da <laughs> I think that was the puppet gremlin, but yeah, the, um, but he's doing it to like the, the guy like sitting by himself, like all, like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't that know. Guy. I don't even know what that guy's doing. He's just all like sad and and the, uh, the thoughtful no, and the noir yeah gremlin. kind of the noir gremlin kind of you know it's like kind of jazzy or something i don't know yeah yeah um so i love that you got the break and, dancing uh, gremlins the break dancing with, gremlin with the leg warmers and all yep the gremlin on the fan which is always fan fun gremlin. the gremlin that's wheezing the juice and like filling up wheezing on the, the beer juice. and his stomach's exploding you got the gremlin with five cigarettes in his mouth a lot of good character gremlins in this scene. A lot of good puppet stuff, which which cracks me up. But I don't know why the hell Kate's in there. Yeah. Somebody, Phoebe Cates, you've got my number. But Phoebe Cates, Call kind me of up. another, uh, I mean, actually, her and the mom kind of do the most damage. Uh, aside they from, do. Aside from Billy just blowing up an entire theater full of them. Like, True. <laughs> True. Uh but yeah, he blew him up. He blew him up real good. He did. Um, but yeah, that's 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 a. I don't know. So Neca made these. Oh yeah. Uh, ultimate Gremlins figures a while back, and now they're actually making them for Gremlins too. Which I don't know why he would spend money on those. But <laughs> I mean, there's, no, I would. I, I would, mean, think of all of the, the endless, endless possibilities of. Yeah. Of, I mean, there's so many variations of gremlins in that movie you got the vegetable gremlin yeah you've got the bat gremlin which i hate you've got the spider gremlin which i hate what which i hate you hate all of these i like What's i love spike you? spike is cool spike is the spike is the great. spider i mean spider gremlin the bat gremlin i don't like i don't like him in the spider form the bat gremlin's pretty cool um i always i don't like the vegetable gremlin for some like reason the vegetable gremlin the brain I brain hate. gremlin Voiced by Tony Randall. The Brain Gremlin's pretty great. <laughs> Tony the Brain Randall. Gremlin's pretty great. That was one of the best parts of the movie. I love uh, Spike as a as a Mogwai. I love Spike, you know, as a Gremlin. Those are it, those are two of my favorites. Is it Spike in in the in Gremlins too? Yeah, yeah. Instead of Stripe, as, as opposed to instead of okay. Stripe, right? So that I love that. Um, I don't like the other three original bad gremlins in that movie i hate the the how ridiculous they made them um 
just like the I forget the guy's name, that classic gangster uh, that they kind of imitated oh, for Bugs, the one guy, like Bugsy Malone, or what is that? Uh, not the the actor's name. Oh, I forget Edward his name. G. Robinson. Edward, yeah. And then and then the dopey one, and then the crazy one. Um, yeah, those those all kind of bother me, but. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so they made so they made a bunch of NECA ones, which is cool. And then and and they have a lot of those characters, like they have the Flasher Gremlin. Um, they have uh, you know they have Stripe with the the chainsaw. Um, and then they've got like they've got one that comes with like the popcorn bucket to put on his head, or like the popcorn bags to put on his ears, because there's a bunch of bunch of them looking like that. Um, I think one of them comes with the uh, one of them comes with the little puppet. I think. Um, Does one yeah, come with the, are... the Mickey Mouse ears? I don't think so. <laughs> when they're wa- when they're watching, uh, couldn't get the uh, licensing for Snow that. White in the in the Seven Dwarfs. I always thought that was weird that it's a Warner Brothers movie, but they had they had them watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which, which yeah. is a Disney film, and they even have like there's a silhouetted shot of like one of them wearing like the Mickey Mouse ears. Um, yeah, which is kind of strange. It's interesting. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of um, uh, some other scenes that I, I particularly like. Can't think of any. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's a terrible movie, and I hate it, <laughs> and I don't ever need to see it again. Uh, there's one thing we haven't talked about, the music. The music. There it is. I, I, see, I had I had all these notes, and I'm blanking on all kinds of stuff here. Music, yeah. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith, one of one of Jerry my Goldsmith. one of my favorite, um, kind of an underrated composer. Yeah. I feel a bit. Um, He's no Miles Goodman. He does, but he doesn't have the you know the street cred of like John William of like a John Williams, you know. Yeah. Um, or, but he's or, got a or, lot of scores to his or name, some, or yeah, or something similar. But yeah, he's he's got a great, uh, um, he's got a great filmography. Uh, ton, he does tons of movies, and he did. I'm uh, pretty sure he did. Like, I don't know if this was the. I think this was the first movie he did with Joe Dante, and then he ended up doing like every one of his subsequent films. I think too. I, um, I mean this. For good reason, the score for this movie is just oh, so iconic. Yeah, it's and it's, it's so it it so perfectly um, fits with the movie. Like it's just kind yeah. of it's kind of weird and crazy and like it's kind of all yeah. it's kind of all over the place. There's like a lot of there's traditional kind of orchestration, but then there's kind of like some synthy stuff, and then there's just like weird yeah. kind of weird electron other weird electronic effects that aren't like, s- like specifically like synth they're like <laughs> just sound like weird animal yeah, noises like and cat yeah cat and like, yowls and like weird <laughs> crazy stuff. sounds yeah, yeah just like really oh. kind of strange stuff and but for whatever reason like you you don't it, there's not a second thought to it like when you're watching the movie it all like just like yeah oh yeah that 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 makes sense <laughs> that fits like it just like yeah. works with the movie for some reason and it's it's yeah he's i mean he, and he's just one of those uh composers that i think is just like like i don't know i think a, i think m- almost all of his movies kind of have a different sound to them 
Um, mm-hmm. Some composers kind of like tend to re- recycle a lot of stuff and kind of like, or have like yeah. a similar sound to them. And I feel like he's kind of got, I don't know, he's just, he's pretty inventive and he just, like, yeah, I mean, and, and his, you know, each of his, the films that he kind of does is kind of unique, I think. Um, yeah. And and just really one, captures the mood of the film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that I always think of, and I, I we might have talked about this at some point before, but... Um, one of my most, one of the most interesting things I re- think of when I think of Jerry Goldsmith is, so the movie Legend with Tom Cruise, yeah. like that's a, that's a if you've ever seen that movie, that's a pretty fucked up movie. Um, I mean it's it's borderline horror, definitely dark fantasy. Let's do it. Um, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, it's scored by Tangerine Dream, which is Tangerine just Dream. This super synth pop type music from the eighties, and. Listening to it scored with Tangerine Dream is fine, um, but it definitely makes you think 80s when you watch that movie. Like, it feels very 80s. Yeah. Um, Well, what most people don't know is Jerry Goldsmith originally scored the entire film. (laughs) Jerry Goldsmith wrote an entire score and composed and and recorded an entire score for Legend. And at some point, they released a, a DVD and, and maybe even on the newer Blu-ray releases or something that exists. But it, there's a there's a DVD, at least, that has both the Tangerine yeah. Dream and the Jerry Goldsmith score. And you can switch between the two. And I'm telling you, watching that movie with the Jerry Goldsmith score was like a whole different experience. Yeah. Like, it made it much more timeless. Yeah. Much less, like, kitschy, kind of. Right. Like, the Tangerine Dream I- score kind of makes it feel a little kitschy and a little surreal because yeah. it's this synthy score paired with this fantasy element. Um, and that movie's really kind of a strange, surreal nightmare as it is. Um, but then when you take the Jerry Goldsmith score, it just totally changes it up. It's crazy. And I, I think of that all the time. And then that that coupled with, with, uh, with just the Gremlin score, yeah, that's enough for me to be like, oh, man, the guy is... He's he's amazing. Yeah, I remember you showing me um, Legend. That was that was a movie that I remember you introducing me to. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and I I do I mean, remember. And this was a this is quite a while ago. I remember yeah. you. I remember you had the you must have had the DVD at that point that had the I did the option to to do you know to choose which kind of score you wanted yeah. in you know to to listen to you know while you're watching the movie um and and so yeah that i that's a movie that i haven't seen probably since i you know watched it with you and you know you're talking about god it could be 20, 20 years could be ago 20 years ago yeah yeah um i'd like to revisit that but yeah i um yeah he's got a pretty i'm trying to think of some of the other um just off the top of my head some of the other uh, uh, scores that he did. I mean, Alien, um, yeah. the original Alien. Um, yeah, God, I, I oh, you know, well, he did. So he he did a good. So he did the the original Omen, um, Poltergeist. It's a good one, and which is it's a good one. Know, Spielberg as well, produced by at least. But the, there's a whole thing behind Poltergeist. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Not to go off on a tangent, but. So Poltergeist is it's credited as Toby Hooper. 
right. directed it, who did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But apparently, Steven Spielberg is really was really the one that kind of took over and and directed most of that movie, from what I've heard. Um, really? Yeah. Um, First Blood. Jerry Goldsmith did First Blood, which... That's a good score. He later does a a kind of variation on that in Gremlins two, when uh, yeah. when when Gizmo kind of turns into Rambo. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but I yeah and and oh man and I, I actually just today, um, I, I was listening to the the uh, score for Inner Space and it's so good, like it's it's great. I and it, and it just like. There was something about like I had I haven't watched the movie in a while and I have I certainly had not listened to the score from that movie in a long time, if ever, I like separately you know just individually just listening to that, but like there was something that was just like that I knew him having scored that I'm like I, I I think I remember there was something about like I remember watching that movie and I remember the music having a big effect on me and a playing a yeah. big part in the movie. And when I listened to it today, like, yeah, it just, like, brought me right back. And it's, like, oh, it's so good. It's so well done. And just has, like, I don't know. It's completely, and it's completely different than the score for Gremlins. Like, you know, like, yeah. not even, it doesn't even sound like it, it's it's the same composer at all. But it's so good, and it's and it fits so well, and it just creates this, like, mood, just like it does with Gremlins, you know. Um, but... Yeah, I, I I love me some Jerry Goldsmith. I mean, the two, the score for Gremlins, like you said, it's it's very eclectic and it's kind of all over the place. But the two, but it's got I great mean, the themes. Two, it, yeah, the two main themes are Gizmo's theme, you know, which is the kind of little song that he hums, right? Sings it's also slash it's sings. also kind of like the love theme, uh, right? For Billy it's also and kind Kate, of the love theme, yeah. And then, and then you've got the Gremlins rag, right? Swan, swan, which swan, is the swan, one, the manic Gremlin kind of, Which that full piece doesn't play that often in the movie. Um, it plays at the end, right after that creepy line that we mentioned earlier. <laughs> as soon as Hoyt Axton is done saying it. It kind of like goes quiet for a minute and then it swells to a da 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 da, which is just, it's fantastic when it plays. Um, but my favorite use of it is when Mr. Futterman is like trying to figure out what the hell is going on and he goes out into his driveway. And this is still at the point where the Grim, you've seen a big group of gremlins kind of in a distance, but you haven't like seen them in full effect, yeah. like being crazy yet. And everything you've seen of them so far has been like the kind of creepy shit in the house yeah. and like small scale stuff. And so he walks out and you get the kind of creepy music and like the subtlety. And then all of a sudden you hear the 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 Kentucky Harvester uh, <laughs> rev up. And as that's soon as it revs up, up, he gets this look on his face like, oh, shit. And then it just goes into full. <laughs> and that's when it like it just it it just plays so well at that point. I love it. Um, So he's dead. So he's dead. <laughs> but or is he? He's not. No, he comes or back is for, he? for Gremlins 2. The new he batch. comes back. Um, uh, The new batch. So speak, you know, we kind of talked there 
briefly about Inner Space, um, which came out three years after Gremlins, directed by the same guy, Joe Dante. Um, so the cinematographer um, for Gremlins, John Hora, um, he, I think he ended up, I think he ended up shooting most of the, of the rest of, I mean, I could be wrong here. Um, I thought that he ended up shooting, um, the rest of kind of like, you know, Joe Dante's big films, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, he, so he did, he, I, I'm looking here at my notes. He did shoot the Howling, and he shot the Twilight Zone segment. He shot Gremlins one and two, and Matinee. He also shot the Smooth Criminal music video for Michael Jackson, which is a fucking great <laughs> video. Which is nice. weird because um, this is kind of another weird parallel to um, we, you know, to Little Shop of Horrors. So we, in our Little Shop of Horrors episode, we talked about the cinematographer for that, uh, Robert Painter. And that, so he had Robert Painter, who shot Little Shop of Horrors, did Michael Jackson's Thriller. So yeah. it's funny, like, here you've got another cinematographer for this totally different movie, different director and everything. And he ended up shooting another one of, like, Michael Jackson's most famous kind of music videos. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but, um, but... So John Hora, so he didn't shoot Inner Space, but he is uh, actually like a pretty significant character in Inner Space. Do you remember the scientist Ozzy? No. No? Do you remember the movie at all? I mean, I remember the movie. <laughs> Do you remember the, it's like the scientist who like created the miniaturization kind of technology. Oh, Ozzy. And he's the one that like. He's like being chased by that like creepy like like half robot dude. Do you remember? Where he like he like shoots like a he like shoots like out of his like finger and he I know the half and robot he, and dude. he chases he chases him through like a mall and then and that's and and the doctor or the scientist guy has has the miniaturized uh ship that Dennis Quaid's character is in, in a syringe. And mm. this guy is after it. And, and so he ends up, he ends up injecting it. That's what it's the doctor or it's the scientist. I keep saying doctor. It's the scientist that ends up injecting it into just some random guy in the mall, which ends up being Martin short. <laughs> but, but the doctor that, that the guy that plays the doctor is John Hora, the cinema, like Joe Dante's long, Longtime cinematographer who coincidentally did not shoot that movie, but played this character. Really? I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, just random, random shit here we're talking about here. As as we're closing cl- closing in on our <laughs> on our gremlin segment, we're just spilling into random. You didn't sh- tell me we were going to talk about inner space. I don't know shit about that. Movie. Oh well, you should. It's Joe Dante, baby. It's three. It's Joe Dante's. I, I, he might have done another movie in between, but um, yeah, I mean, it came out three years after after Gremlins. Um, but uh, yeah, it's great. I, I don't know what else to say, but yeah, I do love. Uh, I mean, it, it's got that. Gremlins definitely has that classic kind of eighties uh, 
look and feel and you know oh yeah that kind of grunge factor I, I, that i don't know what that is um no but i love like the i love the opening sequence in chinatown um oh yeah and just like and a company you know with jerry goldsmith's score just like those kind of like weird distorted almost kind of like be- bell like chiming kind of like yeah you know like that just like it's just like so weird and eerie, but also kind of like has that kind of Christmassy element to it, you know, that kind yeah. of Christmassy sound to it. It's just, I just love that. And the, that combined with like, you know, those shots of like Chinatown, like with the red lighting and just like. And the smoke. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's good. It's good stuff. And then, the, and then the, on top of that, the narration from Hoyt Axton. Oh, yeah. It's so good. I fucking, I, lo- I, yeah, I love that opening. Um, I think. I think one of the things that we haven't said about Gremlins that should be said is that is just, you know, we, we mentioned the script, but again, to go back and just mention how brilliant it is that this, I mean, this is original story. This is not, you know, this is not an adaptation or something. This is one of, this is one of those few great classic. It's like Beetlejuice. It's like made for, yeah, it's like a made for the screen. It's a completely weird bonkers but original idea that isn't based on any kind of source material or no um yeah absolutely and and actually talking you know strange connection there to beetlejuice um i i was reading that spielberg at one point actually um considered tim burton to direct gremlins but really? yeah, but he had he had seen like Frank and Weedy and some of his other shorts and stuff like that. But at that point, nineteen eighty four, um, Burton hadn't even made uh, he hadn't made a feature length film at that point. He hadn't even. I mean, right. I think when did uh, when did Pee Wee's Big Adventure come out? Eighty six, eighty seven. I think it's eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah. So, but can you imagine that? Can you imagine a fucking Tim Burton directed Gremlins? Been glorious. I kind of want to see that too, actually. Imagine like the fucking creature designs and oh man, yeah, that would have been great. Which we didn't mention, but the creature designs pretty much came from Chris Columbus. He actually had a a, a drawing of the oh of, yeah of the Mogwai uh, in the script itself, and um, they were slightly different. They they kind of changed it. They kind of changed the Gremlins to look a little more like you know creepy versions of the mogwai the gremlins yeah. had a little bit different look but uh but yeah they they he kind of it really wasn't much different than what was imagined yeah i was reading that too um and and speaking a little about while we're on that kind of like on on that topic of you know the effects um so you know chris Wallace, um he i mean <laughs> this was from what from everything i read like it was just a hor- <laughs> like it was just a horrible, horrible shoot. Like just like doing yeah. all the work for this movie. Um, it was incredibly like stressful, and um, he had like <laughs> he got sick on like on the set. And he had like kidney stones. He like fell off a fucking truck at one point and like smashed his ankle and was like on crutches. Yeah. He was like averaging like three hours a night of sleep, and they did like. They did months. I, I can't remember. I think they did like two months of st- like straight puppet puppet work after they had kind yeah. of wrapped the filming of the of the of the stuff with you know actors and stuff like that. They they did an additional like two months of just like filming like you know puppet puppet work. 
Um, it's crazy. And, uh, and just like, yeah, they, they were doing a lot of experimentation and just trying to kind of basically just, just trying to figure out how to, you know, get, get the shots that they needed and, 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 and yeah. make it work. Um, but yeah, he was saying it was like the most difficult thing he's ever worked on. Like even still, you know, like 30 some years later. Um, but that he also said that it was like, he said the, the, you know, he said the crew was fantastic and he, you know, he, he loved Joe Dante and, um, and he, and, and he just felt like he was like, he felt like they were working on something that was like big, you know, like that was gonna right. kind of have an impact and, and, and so, you know, while it was like really, like it was a really rough shoot, um, he said it was also like, kind of like one of the best experiences that he's ever had. And, um, but he was so, he was so wiped out from that, that even six years or well, probably like five years later when they decided to do a sequel, like he was like, no, fuck no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yep. I'm not doing this again. No, thanks. And even like, uh, even like Rick Baker. The only reason Rick Baker wanted yeah. to do it was because they let him, they let him get weird with the designs basically. Yeah. And they also had a bigger budget and like technology had kind yeah. of improved even in just that five year period and they could do, you know, they could do more stuff, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, well, I think that's Gremlins. That is Gremlins. Gremlins. <laughs> Gremlins. Um, Gremlins. It's a great. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's it's a it's it's one of those movies that like it's um it's a classic eighties movie for yeah. sure. You know, it's very much like an eighties movie, um, but it, it's also just like I I just it's also a classic Christmas movie. Um, yeah. And it's also, you know, a, a great horror comedy. So it's just, it kind of, it ha- it's got these, you know, different kind of, it's a mashup of these different kind of subgenres, but like, it's kind of like a classic and each one, you know, separately really. Yeah. And then, then you combine them all together and it's this really kind of unique, uh, beast. But, um, but yeah, so we didn't really talk about it, but like, you know, it, uh, this is kind of the first in our series of holiday horror that we're going to be doing. Um, we're going to be doing uh, two or three more uh, Christmas horror films here in the coming weeks leading up to Christmas. And um, but we, we wanted to start with uh, with this one because, you know, for obvious reasons, because um, it's our favorite. Yeah. And uh, but we've got some more coming in 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 the weeks ahead. And Gremlins um, two, Gremlins three, <laughs> Munchies, Munchies. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, check back check back with us for those episodes. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll scare you later. We'll scare you later. <laughs> <laughs>